Hey, this is Anthony Benning. You're listening to Fear the Sword Podcast. Hello and welcome everyone, my name is Trevor Magnotti and this is the Thick Jack Frames podcast, Fear the Swords NBA Draft podcast. We are back after a small hiatus because life got in the way a little bit and life kind of got in the way of the Cleveland Cavaliers rebuild this week as well in the form of the NBA Draft Lottery. The Cavs are officially picking 5th and 26th, which means the Zion Williamson is probably off the table, but the way things are looking now, the team actually still might be in pretty good position. Assuming that Zion goes one, the job Morant to Memphis smoke is real, and that one of the Lakers or Knicks, who are picking third and fourth, plays the hits and does something monumentally dumb, like taking Darius Garland or Cam Reddish in the top four, as they've been linked to potentially considering, then the Cavs have a really good shot at taking one of Jarrett Culver or DeAndre Hunter. Um, Those are the two players who I ranked as my top two targets for the Cavs with pick number five in my Cavs big board, which you can find at fearthesword.com. We have already touched on Culver in our March 17th show, so you can go back and listen to that to get a detailed breakdown of why he is my number one target for the Cavs at this point. Um, But Hunter has been a guy that a lot of people like and a lot of people like on the same plane as Culver. So we need to do an in-depth Hunter breakdown, and that is our plan for today. So we're going to go through, break down his skill set and his numbers kind of look at what he projects to be and kind of compare him a little bit to Culver at the end. So DeAndre Hunter, 21-year-old, 6'7", 225-pound forward from the defending national champion Virginia Cavaliers. Um, He's already been a Cavalier, so he's accustomed to that, so that's good. Um, He has a 7'2 wingspan as well, so has a body that looks like it will translate pretty well to being a 3 or a 4 at the NBA level. Um, For his stats... 32.5 minutes per game, 15.2 points, 5.1 rebounds, 2 assists, 0.6 steals, and 0.6 blocks per game are the numbers there. 52% shooting from the field, 44% from 3, and 78% from the line are his shooting splits. Um, If you want a good game to watch kind of everything about the DeAndre Hunter experience, um, you probably have honestly already seen it. Um, everybody points to the national championship game where he made several nice big plays down the stretch and was huge for Virginia in the second half to clinch the national title. But the best indicator of the experience for Hunter is actually their game that came before that. The final four matchup with Auburn is the game that I like best to kind of encapsulate what his skill set is. 14 points, five rebounds, two assists, and two blocks for Hunter in that game and really showcased a lot of his strengths and weaknesses in that one. You got to see him really struggle for the first probably about 30 minutes of that game, really struggling to get shots off, get himself open, um, defend 
against Auburn's attack, and then he just flipped the switch in the last 10 minutes and had probably one of his most productive stretches of the season there and really showed some impressive shot-making down the stretch that could hint to his ceiling a little bit. So I would recommend the Auburn game if you're really looking for a game to get the entire DeAndre Hunter experience. So let's go in and let's talk a little bit about the skills for Hunter, starting on offense, offensive strengths. Uh, the biggest one for him is finishing. He is another guy like Culver um, and like Zion Williamson, like Brandon Clark. There are some truly elite finishers at the rim in this class, and Hunter is one of them. Um, a really good guy in terms of his ability to finish against contact, to be able to change shot angles, and to be able to drive in and use his body to get leverage to be able to get a shot up over traffic. So I really like his potential as both an on-ball and off-ball finisher at the rim at the next level. Um, he's also a pretty good passer, has the ability to make a lot of simple passes, particularly out of the pick and roll. He makes a lot of really good reactive simple pick and roll reads that, that are nice. He really didn't get to run it as much as like a Jarrett Culver or RJ Barrett did, but the stuff that he was doing was all very simple and he was consistent at it. He rarely missed teammates rolling to the rim or out of the dunker spot as the defense collapsed. Um, all good things for what we expect him to be able to do as a secondary playmaker at the next level. So that's all really exciting. Um, and I think that he kind of gets underrated a little bit as a passer just because he really was kind of limited in what he was able to do in the flow of Virginia's offense. Um, there's also the catch and shoot jumper. He's really good at getting himself open, relocating to open spots on the floor to be able to get good clean shots off. I think that his jumper is pretty crisp off the catch. Um, doesn't lean a little bit back too much for me. Gets a little bit of fade on his jumper, but for the most part, the mechanics are pretty good, and it's hard to argue with the results. 44% um, from three coming almost entirely on catch and shoots is not a bad result for him this season. I would like to see a little bit more from him at the next level in terms of how often he is going to be uh, using that catch and shoot jumper but that's a really good skill there as well the offensive weaknesses kind of limit what his upside is going to be I think on the offensive end um, one of the biggest things is he is a guy that while he has a decent handle um, he really isn't good at turning that into like a functional use of that handle to initiate offense. He is best at dribbling out of pressure when he is getting closely guarded. Um, when he doesn't have a lot of space to be able to play make, he really is able to leverage his strength and also his long wingspan to be able to maintain a dribble and also be able to throw the defender off balance in close quarters. That's one of the most impressive things about his handle. But you get him into open space where he doesn't have that ability to use that strength and he just doesn't really have the shake um, doesn't really have the vision and also isn't super decisive on how to attack the basket when he is getting played off of he's a guy that you can play two three feet away from and you know still get a quality contest on a on a pull-up jumper but also not really have to worry about him you know trucking his way all the way to the rim because he's not really going to be able to shake the defender with his handle as it is right now 
Um, I'm also a little bit nervous about his pull-up mechanics. He's a little bit mechanical on his jumper when he's pulling up off the dribble. Um, Again, not a very decisive player and can often make things a little bit more complicated than they need to when he decides to pull up. Um, Doesn't really get consistent upper body motion. That's something that definitely needs to get ironed out at the next level, especially if you're going to think that he is a potential number one scorer type. Um, and finally, just overall, his movement is a little bit too mechanical for my liking. Um, he's not a fluid athlete in the way that RJ Barrett or Culver or Zion are, where he doesn't really float towards the rim. He doesn't really cover a lot of space quickly. His change of direction skill is a little bit, um, is a little bit rigid. And I think that that all is a little bit problematic for how he's going to be able to handle NBA defense as an on-ball player. Um, I still think that he's going to be able to be a smart cutter and he's going to be able to make a lot of the off-ball plays and kind of secondary plays that you need to kind of facilitate a good team offense. But I worry about putting the ball in his hands a significant amount because I just don't think that he's going to be the type of guy who is going to be able to generate baskets off the dribble. Uh, whole heck of a lot so um the offensive side of the ball i think that he has a high floor because he kind of fits the role player mold for what you want from a three um but i'm skeptical that he's going to be able to become much more than that just because i think that he does have some limitations that he's not going to be able to overcome on the defensive side of the ball i really like i really like hunter's technique and fundamentals he is one of the most sound defenders on the perimeter in terms of his ability to mirror his ability to kind of consistently get in a stance um, to be able to deny the basket to even elite ball handlers he did a really good job shutting down RJ Barrett in particular um, and making life difficult for Zion Williamson in Virginia's games against Duke this year and a lot of that comes from his fundamentals which comes from Virginia's system these Virginia guys all really have good fundamentals but Hunter is even kind of at the top tier of that. He's probably the most fundamentally sound defender that Virginia's had come out of the Tony Bennett era to the next level. And I think that that sets, a, again, a really high bar for what his floor is going to be. Um, other skills that I think really work well for Hunter are his closeout ability is really impressive. Um, he has really good technique, is really disciplined closing out on shooters. Um, he is definitely going to be switchable. He's quick enough to be able to defend um, quicker two guards and most threes and up to the four, and that's going to make him a little bit more valuable at the NBA level. And he's really comfortable with a variety of different pick-and-roll defenses. He kind of gets hung up on screens a little bit, but he is a guy that is going to be able to trap out on the perimeter is going to be able to play drop coverage is going to be able to hang over the top as like a weak side free safety whatever you ask him to do in the pick and roll on defense he's probably going to be comfortable with it because Virginia did a good job of utilizing him for a variety of different pick and roll coverages as part of their defense last year so all of that really makes him um a pretty solid pick and roll option to defend either at the point of attack to switch um, whatever you need him to be able to do at the next level. He's a guy that I would really like to see kind of defend like two guard initiators like it, like James Harden, um, 
Luka Doncic, um, those are the types of guys that I think he would have a lot of success with. Um, but the defensive side of the ball isn't all strengths for him. Um, as we look at kind of the numbers behind what his defensive value is, you really kind of get lost or you really kind of zero in on his steal rate and block rate. Those are really disappointing for what he should be able to accomplish at the NBA level. I mean, this is a player that has really good wingspan, has really good reactive nature to plays developing, has really good play recognition, and yet he has a steal rate of 1.2 this year and a block rate of 2.4. Now, people have kind of made the comment that, oh, that's just Virginia's pack line defense um, kind of suppressing his steals and blocks. But that hasn't really been the case for other guys who are as athletic as Hunter in Virginia's system. In particular, Justin Anderson had really good steal and block numbers at Virginia prior to him coming out in the league. So I really wonder whether or not he's actually going to be the type of guy that can generate events on the defensive end in a variety of different uh, defensive schemes. In particular, his rim protection, I think, is a little bit of an issue. He's not a guy that diagnoses being a weak side guy um, particularly well. He overhelps a little bit off of the opposite corner and that can kind of put him in bad situations. Um, and that's all kind of a little bit concerning for what he is going to be able to become value wise on the defensive end. Um, he also really struggles with strong dribble moves. You get a guy like, like I know I just mentioned Harden, but you get a guy like Harden that has particularly strong crossover moves or a lot of shake off the dribble. And he has a really hard time staying in front of that. He really doesn't diagnose high level dribble moves at a high level. And that can be something that could be a potential problem because there's a lot of initiators that are really good dribblers and um, that could potentially limit his on-ball success coming into the next level. So let's talk a little bit about proje projection. We'll kind of get into what he fit, what, how he fits next to Culver. Um, both of these guys I kind of have projected as what I would call a 3 and D plus wing. Um, that would be the class of guys who are more than just your stationary spot-up shooters or off-movement shooters that are capable perimeter defenders at the 2 and 3. Um, I put the plus in there because these are guys that are going to be able to maybe have some playmaking value, um, maybe be able to to facilitate as like a screener as a four or potentially are going to add some kind of value outside of just perimeter wing defense at the next level. So I have both of those guys kind of on that spectrum. For Hunter, I think that his floor is pretty high. I think that he's a guy that plays already like a useful wing in the NBA that's going to be able to add value to a team's rotation. So I would say his floor is probably like a Wilson Chandler type, like a seventh or eighth man on a competitive team that maybe you can't play 30 minutes a game, but for 20 to 25 minutes can be a productive bench guy next to a team that's well fleshed out with a good system and a lot of stars. Um, so I really like Wilson Chandler's potential or like Wilson Chandler style potential fit as like the, the floor aspect for what I think Hunter can become. Um, 
and I think that Culver kind of has a similar floor, although I think that his um, his handle and his kind of hesitation stuff is is going to be potentially a little bit a little bit lower than for him than what I think Hunter's floor is. So I would say Hunter has the higher floor of the two. Getting into medium out median outcomes, I think that Culver edges ahead of Hunter here just because I think that Culver being a guy that can potentially be like a two guard at the NBA level and can take some ball handling responsibility is probably going to be in his future and I think that that's just not really the case for Hunter. I think that his ability to handle is particularly dependent on advantage situations and I think that puts him more into the class of like the athletic 3-4 type who is able to switch on defense and kind of spot up off ball and really just take advantage of bent defense um, with minimal creation um, value for his overall team offense. Guys that I'm thinking about here would be like Al Farouk Aminu in Portland or Marvin Williams in Charlotte and and what he used to be in Utah. Um, these guys are... Not sexy names, but they're the type of guys that you can plug in as like the fourth or fifth best player on a competitive team and really be able to get good value out of them because they're dependable. They're dependable on defense. Um, you put them into a specific role on offense and you're going to have success. Um, I really like the fit of both of those guys on a lot of different team contexts. And I think that Hunter kind of fits in the same mold there. So whereas I think Culver has a little bit more value at his median outcome, I think that Hunter is still a productive player I just think that you're not really aiming high with what he's going to end up being at the at the next level more than likely um, and then ceiling is where they completely diverge we've talked about Culver's ceiling because of his higher finishing ability because of the potential improvements that he can make in his shot because he's a more fluid athlete I think that Culver is more kind of like on the Joe Johnson Rip Hamilton spectrum of like big strong scoring guards whereas I think Hunter's ceiling is probably more along the lines of kind of like the next level of what the Aminu Williams uh, class would end up being so my ceiling comp for Hunter would be a little bit less but it would be kind of like as a Thad Young type that has a reliable spot up jumper because um, Hunter definitely, I think, is going to be able to shoot at the next level. So adding some athletic or adding some kind of athletic translation that didn't really show at Virginia, um, becoming a better finisher, becoming a little bit stronger, and really having that three through five defense locked down as Thad Young does, and offering that little bit of spot up capability. I mean, Thad Young is the second best player on the five seed in the East. And while that's like not the most exciting, um, while that's not like the most exciting thing to say, like you get the second best player on a mid-tier playoff team out of this draft and you're going to be looking pretty, pretty happy. Um, so I think that Hunter could end up being a little bit lower ceiling than Culver. Um, and I think, but I think that he still is going to end up kind of in that range of being like productive starter that can be a borderline all-star at his peak um, who has some limitations, but overall in the right system is going to provide a lot of positive value.
So I think when we talk about fit on the Cavs, I think that both of these guys fit pretty well. I think that Hunter in particular um, probably fits a little bit better with what the Cavs are going to be looking to do immediately. I think he's going to be able to provide a little bit more value. Um, what I would expect Hunter to be would be a starting three um, kind of right off the bat that plays primarily off ball, switches well enough to save Kevin Love and Colin Sexton from certain matchups. Um it, he would be the guy that you would have kind of switching on to Paul Millsap when they play the Nuggets, um, switching on to a guy like Bradley Beal when they play Washington, um, really kind of filling a lot of gaps and switching across multiple positions, offering a lot of primarily on-ball stuff similar to Jetty Osman, maybe dabbling into some on-ball stuff as he, as he grows, um, but, you know, just productive rotation player and I think that, you know, when you're picking five in this draft and you're considering that guys like Darius Garland and Cam Reddish might go around a guy like Hunter, like the Cavs are going to end up looking pretty smart if they take Hunter more than likely um, considering who is going to end up going around him. Getting a productive guy at five really should be the goal. And I think that Hunter is that type of guy to be able to kind of make it at the next level. So that'll wrap us up for today. You can find the podcast at Fear the Sword, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, keep an eye out for our other podcasts on the Fear the Sword podcast network as well. If you're looking for John Bayline takes uh, the bottom with David Zavak and Chris Manning, just had a really good episode on the Cavs new coach. The best way to support us is to subscribe and leave a review. Helps more people find the podcast. You can also follow me at Illegal Screens on Twitter, which is where you will find my draft writing for the Step Back and Fear the Sword and links to other podcasts. In the wind down of the draft, we will be doing some more news breakdowns and talking about the 26th pick as well, kind of considering the options that the Cavs have there. We're recording in the middle of the combine, so we'll probably hit that news next week as well. But that means that we're officially in the heart of the draft process, and that's my favorite time of year. So we will catch you all next time, and go Cavs.